Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. And welcome back, Bob, from Immunities. Hey, great to be here. And this is Minute 24 of Fright Night. It begins with a feeling of security, and it ends with many feelings of insecurity. Sometimes I feel so insecure. Lock myself up behind the door You can call all you want I'm not picking up no more Sometimes I feel so insecure So yeah, it's nighttime. Charlie's testing the window. He's looking really relaxed. He's like, yeah. No invitation. Obviously, he's not getting in. All I gotta do is just go to bed tonight. And just not go out of my house at nighttime. He's powerless. Just gonna nail this window shut just in case. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm fine. The, I, the big, the big rule that stuck out to him is no invitation. Right. <laughs> and then the garlic thing apparently did not. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. <laughs> and then his whore of a mother. <laughs> Screw it up. She is so cheery in her utter betrayal when she calls him down. <laughs> And I love this little whistle that he lets out when he's uh, coming down the stairs. Producing an audio drama, doesn't this seem like a stock whistle sound? He is so like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely could. Uh, so he says, yeah, mom. He's like humming, skipping down the steps. Nothing to worry about. The vampire's not going to hurt me. My mom just wants to chat with me. And I'm in a great mood. I'm going to go chat with my mom. And I, I mentioned this in an earlier minute, but I didn't have the specifics. So I did want to drop this bit of trivia before we get into what's coming up. This scene right here with Charlie coming down the stairs is one of the first interior scenes they shot at the studios, Laird Studios at the time. So they they were going to shoot this and then they were going to go on to uh, Christmas break. And uh, all they had to do was shoot William Ragsdale coming down these stairs. And they, they filmed it and Tom was like, ah... Maybe maybe a little faster, maybe a little faster. And uh, so William went back to the top of the stairs and then came down the stairs a bit faster and he slipped and uh, I, they, they said he broke his ankle. Oh, oh my God. Uh-huh. Um, they're supposed to, they're, they're at the beginning of interior shoots. <laughs> so the rest of the movie, when you see Charlie run out of frame, they, he says that he's just basically falling out of frame and somebody's either catching him or, or there's a mat there. <laughs> They, he said that we had a big Teamster guy there to catch him. It actually ended up extending the shoot uh, because insurance stepped in. And then he was told by a producer that, uh, you know, kid, you cost me a hundred grand <laughs> because the, the shoot got longer. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So I'm going to be looking for um, limping or anything like that. Right. Uh, when he runs back up the stairs, I noticed I didn't I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe they filmed that first. I, I don't know. Yeah, you'd have to know the order all the scenes were done in in order to really track it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is just one of those things that I heard in the uh, the commentary. Tom felt so terrible about having him <laughs> shoot that again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Faster, more intense. Uh, yeah. You know, you you can't second guess yourself about stuff like that, though. You know, it's like, yeah. stuff's gonna happen. So uh, he comes into the living room and he's and Judy says, "Charlie, this is our neighbor Jerry Dandridge." And cue uh, Brad Fettel's score, and Charlie's face drops. <laughs> I love that they call the vampire Dandridge for the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> it's just such an '80s name for a vampire. And it's like, <laughs> some call him. Dandridge. Dandridge. <laughs> yeah, it seems very uh, upper crust, but Jerry. It's just, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. what sticks out to me is Jerry. Jerry the I vampire. Love, I love the shot of his his the reveal of him mm-hmm. where he's sitting in that sofa chair and he's his hand is, is sort of behind his head. You don't really, again, that ring he's wearing looks like it has uh, some significance, but I couldn't tell if it was a wolf or uh, like a goblin. It's a little silver ring. Could you Did you find any information on that, Robin? No. Like we talked about before, when we saw it before, uh, when he pulls down the window shade, it looks like a family crest of some sort, but I, I can't be certain. I don't know. This if- class ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vampire <Classic>. high. <laughs> I love that just his hand itself. There's just something off about it. Yeah, I, I just I can't put a finger. But it's just it's just. I mean, maybe it's the fact that you've seen it. You know, like turn into claws and stuff like that already. Yeah. But uh, but you know, you, you can tell it's just like yeah, that hand. I love how uh, Tom describes this in in the script. He says, "Jerry Dandridge sits in the best chair, a drink in his hand, smiling at Charlie. He's even better looking close up, almost blindingly beautiful." Too much so, actually. There's something disturbing about it. It's as though such good looks have to cover up an inner putrefaction, some sort of hidden, sweet, sticky rot just beneath the perfect pale skin. He rises, the smile widening as he sees the terror in Charlie's eyes. I think Chris Sarandon read the part about being beautiful and was like, yeah, no, this is great. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm good looking. Hey, uh, did you notice they're drinking? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny, too. Uh, Bloody Marys. Bloody Marys, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if his if, if, if Charlie's mother offered it and he's just like, was like, huh, uh, she doesn't know I'm a vampire. That's really funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't think that's the kind of thing you're where if you just walk into somebody's home, they're like, would you like something? And you're like, oh, yeah, can you make up that you've never met before? And you say, yeah, sure. Could you make me a Bloody Mary? <laughs> As a bartender for 10 years, when people sit down at the bar and order a Bloody Mary, I'm like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So so labor intensive. Give me a goddamn break. Drink a beer, asshole. (laughs) So I'm with you. That must have, it's just a happy coincidence. That's what uh, Charlie's mom was making. Oh, yeah. Judy's very happy to attend to Jerry's needs. Uh, Anything he needs. In the novel, now they don't make much mention of what happened to uh, Charlie's dad, but in the novel they do make special mention that this is Charlie's father's chair that Jerry's sitting in, and it kind of mm. infuses the dread of like like Charlie having to go talk to his father. You know, you don't see him, but you know you're in deep trouble. 
So. And so is Charlie's father dead or are they divorced or what's what's up with that? In the novelization, they're divorced, but they don't make any mention of it in the uh, – Gotcha. When we look around this house, we see like ships. We're like, Judy's really mm. into ships or somebody who was living here before is really into ships. <laughs> However, we solved the mystery of that. Uh, the actress was in a deleted scene of Jaws. <laughs> That's right. We think maybe <laughs> throw back to that. When she moved from Amityville, Amity uh, Island, excuse me. Me, yeah, she just brought some of her beach stuff with her, but I, I mean, she does in previous minutes, she does talk about the divorce rates and things, so I think it's a little, oh, yeah, she's divorced and, and that uh, she's not a widower, and she's trying to trying to see to it that Charlie doesn't fall, fall into the same, doesn't have the same fate. I mean, right. she seems like in a, in a non vampire universe, she seems like she'd be a very good mom, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, she's trying, she's trying to be very progressive, but you know, right, she's doing her best. So uh, he says, hello, Charlie. And, and I just love how like amused he looks. It's just, <laughs> just like, <laughs> what's this kid going to do? Uh, he stands up, offers his hand, and uh, Charlie stands there and Judy tells him not to be rude. Um, and uh, yeah, he's wearing a different trench coat than he was during the apple scene. But again, it's just another another trench coat with the red, that red scarf is back. And in the commentary, they did uh, Tom Holland and uh, Chris Sarandon both thought like we're worried that you know because the trench coat's supposed to be in place of the vampire cape, and they thought it might come off as a little over the top. <laughs> yeah, I'm always wearing this trench coat like a cape, but um, yeah, uh, Tom Holland says uh, a lot of people were suggested, but no one had the combination of coolness and menace like Chris Sarandon. And William Ragsdale says about him, uh, what Chris brought to the role was humor. A lot of people were won over by him, which was dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> now, have either of you guys seen the movie Lipstick by any chance? No. Because that was that was an earlier one that Chris Sarandon did. I I can't wholeheartedly recommend it, but it's uh it's this nasty movie where he's this uh, tutor who's kind of like pursuing this pair of like si- teenage sisters played by Margot Hemingway and Mariel Hemingway, huh. and uh and yeah, but like the, that look he gives is very much like uh, the sort of thing he does in that. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I, I do wonder, like from time to time, whether that was one reason a reason he got that because yeah, he's definitely like this sort of charming predator in that. <laughs> yeah, it's this part of my notes that I was like just kind of fuming. I'm like, what? What was Judy thinking? Like, <laughs> Charlie told him her that he's a vampire. Okay, that's 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 a little weird. But she he did tell her that he murdered somebody next door. He thinks he murdered somebody <laughs> next door. So, <laughs> oh, Charlie, you're being silly. He's not going to replace your father. <laughs> that's what she's thinking. Um, and when I watched this at a kid at uh, my friend's house, as I mentioned, you know, when we rented the videotape, I think his mom like walked through during the scene and was like, and she's like, oh, is this a film about a guy who's afraid of somebody, you know, of her, his mom getting a new boyfriend? And we're like, it's a vampire movie. It's not about that. <laughs> he's afraid because he's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is kind of about that, too. So there we go. Yeah. Everybody's right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Charlie shakes his hand and doesn't make any eye contact with him while Jerry just kind of smiles at him, <laughs> staring at him. And then Judy says the thing that sends Charlie back into the uh, quivering puddle he was when uh, he was talking to evil. He, she says, I invited him over for a drink. <laughs> uh, so this is where I wanted to just kind of mention the 
the folklore behind the uh, invitation, Van Helsing actually says in uh, Stoker's Dracula, he may not enter anywhere at the first unless there be some of the household who bid him to come, though afterwards he can come as he pleases. And so the invitation thing was kind of a, a superstition. People who feared any sort of ghoul coming to their door kind of made this thing up like, well, they would need to be invited if, to, to come in. So there's no way, as long as we get the door closed, there's no way they're going to get in. It's just kind of, kind of give them a, a sense of, of comfort and, uh, mm-hmm. and just that using that the power of faith again. Because really, you know, in, when it all comes down to it, they're afraid of the devil getting into the house. So the <laughs> right. vampire is kind of an agent of the devil. Um, yeah, and in some ways, it's a, it's almost the house is a metaphor for the heart. Mm. You can't let evil into your heart, right? Yeah. I, I wrote down some examples of different invitation things in movies. Let the Right One In, we, we talked about that a couple of minutes ago. Eli uh, shows Oscar that uh, if she steps in without an invitation, she just starts bleeding from like every every orifice. Right. Yeah, that was so well done. Yeah. Uh, what we do with in the shadows. I just love the whole <laughs> vampires trying to get into clubs. We're like, no, 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 you need to invite us in. <laughs> we want to come in. No, no, ask us in. This is funny. The Buffy verse kind of play with those rules a bit by saying, well, if it's a public place, vampires can enter because everybody is invited to a public place. Right. Right. Yeah. They do a bunch of stuff. Cause yeah, in there, they, you can also rescind the invitation mm-hmm. and like, and if you haven't invited, then it's like a force field. Like I think you see spike like bouncing off of it from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Like, Cause he's trying to, he's trying to follow them into a room and it's just like, boy, yung, 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 yung. <laughs> there, there's even more of a, a, more of that with the with True Blood, where uh, if a human revokes an invitation, the vampire is just pushed right out of the house by an invisible force. <laughs> and uh, they did kind of a, a interesting thing. I, I was dog in the remake, but in the remake of Fright Night, uh, Jerry literally burns the Brewster house down to get to Charlie, and he's uh-huh. like, he says, that "Don't need an invitation if there's no house." <laughs> Which I thought was pretty clever. Father Callanan, after he's been made unclean in Salem's lot, can't get into his own church. Oh, yeah. Uh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the minute kind of ends with him saying, you know, what's the matter, Charlie? Afraid I wouldn't come over without being invited first? It's like, you stupid teenager, you think you're smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> and Mom thinks that's hysterical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so my last question Which that always bugged me, but I guess she's she's like kind of entranced at this point. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> like he's like, I love blowing bubbles during the winter, and she's like, Oh my god, you are the best! You're so funny. You're so handsome. So handsome. Please stay the night. Uh, <laughs> if your living carpenter won't mind. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, my last point here, I just wanted to ask you guys: like Jerry could uh, could kill Charlie and Judy here easily get rid of the entire problem why why do you think he doesn't do it you know i mean i'd assume he just doesn't want to draw that you know he it's like a don't poop where you eat type thing you know <laughs> although he does both really but the uh you know he he wants to he's moved into this place he's rehabbing it he doesn't want it to become the center of you know the, a place where the res nearby residents keep dying mm-hmm. which is why he's sort of importing his victims also you know from outside the neighborhood right yeah, as long as the cab driver doesn't remember where they dropped the hooker off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not. I guess he's not all that careful. But yeah, the, it seems like for a little while at least he wants a little bit of peace and quiet, and not like people constantly like asking him, you know, "What happened to your neighbors?" and yeah. stuff. 
Right. Yeah, that's pretty. Especially since about. Charlie has, you know, just accused him. You know, has just talked to the police, and so it'd be a little. That's true. In, you know, the, one of the few things that might make them believe them is Charlie suddenly dying, <laughs> especially Charlie and his mom suddenly dying even more so. I think he might also. It's a little cat and mouse, like he's having fun mm. with it. Maybe he, maybe he thinks he can uh, with a little intimidation, it'll go away. Maybe he like to preserve the peace and quiet, like you just said. Maybe he thinks by coming over there, he you know, get Charlie to cut the shit. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some point later where he's like, where he says, you know, I don't want to kill you, Charlie. And, you know, this is in a much later minute, and he might or might not be telling the truth. But I think on some level, in his point of view, you know, in in his plan, it's like, no, I just this <laughs> just isn't important to me, you know. And you know, it also seems like he has like a certain taste, and that Charlie isn't in it. So yeah. All right. Well, I, I think that's it for this minute. You guys got anything else left in your notes? And that me. No, sir. All right. Well, uh, Bob, actually, you want to tell folks where you can find them or where they can find you rather? Well, you can, <laughs> where can I find them? Ask them where you can find them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me at immunitiesdrama.com on uh, my Twitter feed, uh, Immunities Drama. I uh, announce all the various different things I do. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, we're going to put a stake in this one. Please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Min. Send your feedback to FrightNightMinute at gmail.com and please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. And I'm Bob. Thanks for listening. Is that good? Yeah, it's great. I liked it a lot. And I just hope everybody will have a fright night. (laughs) He's a vampire. A what? (laughs) You're so cool.